You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. All you've got to do now is pass the Australian culture test. Three simple questions, three correct answers, and you go through that doorway to the greatest little country in the world. Hello, Annie here for Showreel on 3CR, your community radio station. I hope you're well and safe during COVID. Today we're talking to two people who are in the full flight of their careers. A slight departure today, but since usually Showreel only looks at the Australian film industry leaving the world to on screen on Saturdays, but I had the chance to talk to French animateur Elia Gobemervelec after seeing her films as Swallows of Kabul. Uh, Swallows of Kabul is uh, in theatrical release in other parts of Australia and I'm presuming that uh, once uh, COVID settles down we'll be seeing it on our screens in Victoria. We follow this with a chat with NIDA graduate Melissa Karaman who received the Leslie Walford AM award in her final year to help realise her project aiming to bring her Turkish-Australian experience to the screen. Hello, my name's Nick. I present a show on 3CR on Sundays at 2pm called In Psychedelia, where we focus on drug culture, drug policy uh, and drug issues. It's been a bit of a strange time because I uh, also work in the harm reduction sector, specifically going to festivals and parties. So all of our work quickly dried up with COVID-19. But one of the questions that I suppose the festival community in particular has been asking is how do we remain connected? Because it is a community. And I think that's the the first reason that people come to these events. The music is there, the art is there, all of these things are aspects to it, but it's really about the people who are coming and bringing those things and sharing those things. And I've seen some innovation online, and I think that's something that I hope to see more of, more use of innovative technological solutions to connect community, to help creatives reach wider audiences and really build something together. I hope that you're finding ways to remain connected to your community during these odd times. 3CR's a good way to do it, so keep listening. You're with Annie on Showreel. Based on a book and set in Kabul during the Taliban regime, Swallows of Kabul is an animated film, a surprisingly affecting film, about the struggle for personal freedom and creative expression in the grinding world of fundamentalism and fascism, whatever the brand. The clarity of the images and the gentle swaying flow of the narrative is both captivating and illuminating. I had the chance to talk to one of the creatives behind the Swallows of Kabul, uh, Alea Gobermavalik. Hello. Hello. Is that Alea? Uh, yeah. Hello. This, this is Annie from 3CI in Melbourne. Okay. 
Can you tell me uh, what attracted you to the story uh, of Swallows of Kabul? Um, and the way that uh, uh, I could express this story because uh, it uh, touched me when I uh, read the, the script and the novel. But uh, the most important was uh, there is a, a was a beautiful way to express it. Uh, in fact, the place where they, they were living, the characters are uh, was like a like a theater that uh, I can draw with all the um, the tools to to express the interiority of the characters. Yeah, can you explain to me, uh, I mean, I've had a very limited experience of actually doing animation and it is uh, quite an extraordinary uh, feat of imagination to be able to animate a story. Uh, and uh, Swallows of Kabul is really affecting. I, I, I actually cried at the end of watching this film. Um Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I was very surprised. Okay. You know, I, I started the film and I thought, oh, yeah. look, it's an animation. And I was completely unaware of that. And it really drew <laughs> me in, right? And, oh, uh, okay. and I was told uh, that you're a character animator. Can you explain what yeah. that means? Uh, because of my experience, I, uh, because it was my first uh, feature, I wanted to direct a movie since a, a long time ago, since I was uh, in school, uh, in animation school, in fact. Uh, I started to learn it uh, with a short film uh, at uh, the end of my formation. Uh, but uh, I was working alone and it was uh, not a good experience for me because uh, too hard. And I wanted to learn with other people and learn the animation technique and also all the different work in uh, the, the animation production. So uh, it was better for me to, to work with other people, to have better ideas, to learn from them and uh, to have some um, stimulation. And uh, then with because I could work on different projects, uh, one time I started to uh, develop my own project. And then uh, it was the time that uh, Studio Les Armateurs was uh, working with Abu Breitman to make solo of Kabul and they were looking for a second person uh, who, to work with her for the animation part. So uh, I learned um, to, um, to direct movie uh, with her uh, and I could uh, start to express what I have, what I had uh, inside, but I didn't know what there was. <laughs> she, uh, she helped me to do that and to, uh, to be uh, okay with that, in fact. Um, but I, I just uh, I just express my feelings when I when we draw we express the feelings we we just have to don't think about it in fact we just have to to do uh, the the way that we prefer and uh, very often it's the way that it expresses the, the real things we have inside and in fact that's one of the things that uh, Sabu said about hyper realistic intimacy mm -hmm. yeah. It's watercolor, in fact, really, isn't it? Yes, yes. Uh, I don't have one nat uh, natural style. Uh, I um, um, I'm used to uh, use uh, different styles uh, um, according to the story I want to tell. In fact, I think each story have each own style. In fact. Uh, in another uh, story, I wanted to draw another way, but for uh, for the Swallows of Kabul, uh, I just had one choice uh, for the style. It was this one. Uh, I couldn't do this in uh, 3D. I couldn't do that uh, in this way, but it's my own uh, feeling. 
um, this story for me was drawn like like that inside me. It's very elegant. And also because uh, in my uh, profi- professional experience, I saw that uh, watercolor could be drawn in animation. I loved it since I'm a kid because I loved uh, Hugo Pratt and Corto uh, Maltese and some different artists. I, the first uh, way I learned it was in watercolor with my teacher when I was six. But uh, when I worked on Ernest et Celestine with Benjamin Renner, uh, I saw that it was possible to, to make moving uh, watercolor and uh, I was, uh, it was a quite a magic, uh, magic way to express very uh, easily some uh, very strong stories and very sweet way to, to express this and also very abstract way uh, to let the place for the audience, for the spectator to put uh, his own story in the white of the paper, we recreate uh, the reality. We recreate our own reality. So it's a very uh, good way to involve uh, the person who is watching the film. Yeah, you uh, looked at the environment, uh, looking at the uh, pictures of the environment of Kabul before you began. That's right, isn't it? To get the light. Uh, of course, there was a lot of documents about it because uh, it's a very uh, conflict uh, place. So there was a very uh, a lot of documentaries, photographies. So we didn't uh, need uh, to go on place. Uh, it uh, could be a very bad idea for me because the distance we had on, on all these documents were very good for us to express just the feeling about uh, the story and not uh, pretend to tell about the story. It was not the uh, the point. We didn't want to do that. We were talking about the story from a novelist who was Yasmina Kadra. So there is there was distance everywhere on this story. You had a technique, didn't you, where you actually had the um, actors in dress. Yeah. Uh, t- tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about what that method. Yes, that was a, a Zabu uh, idea that um, because the, the actors were uh, recording the voice, uh, she directed them to be uh, dressed uh, like the characters in uh, on the drawings and uh, also they act uh, like uh, in, in a theater, in fact. And we just uh, took uh, the, the sound of their voice uh, with all the, the imperfection, with all the mistake, uh, like the hesitation of the calls, the sound from the the clothes, uh, and uh, uh, when we we speak with a, a chadri with a burka, we don't speak uh, the same way uh, that uh, we if we don't have, in fact. So there is a very uh, realistic um, sense um, uh, in the sound that she uh, gave on uh, on this movie. And it's not very traditional in animation. Traditionally, the speaker, they record uh, just the voices, but they don't involve uh, their body. We had the, the sound of the body and the, the sound of their voice. And also, we filmed this movement for the animator. There were two cameras uh, recording the uh, video, so animator could... Uh, See how they were moving. And they could uh, redraw the, the real movement. The video wasn't used directly, but it was just a source of inspiration uh, to be redrawn uh, after. What was your experience of becoming a director? Tell me about that. Uh, you you mean the, the responsibility of uh, yes. of speaking about a real uh, a real history? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Ah, okay. Oh, uh, in fact, uh, it's not uh, not responsibility. We just uh, uh, speak about the feeling we have inside. So, uh, and uh, also we are we were talking about uh, the novel from Yasmina Kadra. So it's not uh, very. It's not so real. It's it just. Um, there is no responsibility. There is just uh, just uh, the the really strong uh, um, energy that we want to share something, uh, that we felt something, and uh, it it was necessary to be shared, and uh, it was necessary to uh, to express the the strongness the, uh, of this story. But I don't know why. I I don't know. Uh, I don't have any reason. It's. Uh, the way in creativity, uh, there is something coming and uh, there is some uh, light uh, inside <laughs> that we have to, uh, to to make stronger. I don't know. Uh, I don't know to. How long did this uh, project take you? Oh, it was very long because animation is very long to be done. So uh, I started to draw the first uh, picture in um, 2013, <laughs> and uh, then uh, we uh, we started to work together with Abu uh, in 1914, and uh, we wait some uh, some funds to to make the the movie about six years to to make the movie. But uh, three years in production and uh, six years for all the whole project. Oh my goodness! It's been very successful. You won a prize at Cannes. Mm. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah, it was a very great success. I I didn't think uh, it was it could be uh, so big because uh, uh, adult uh, animation for adults is not a very uh, big audience for that today but it's growing so it's a very good thing that is going more and more successful so it was a very good surprise and today it's very good that we 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 are able to make more uh, adult animation yeah that's great uh, and so you're now moved on to a new project uh, yeah, I have uh, uh, three new projects. <laughs> In fact, I have a lot of ideas, but uh, I, I got one very uh, deep in my heart. Uh, I'm going to, to work on it uh, uh, in September, and uh, two more that uh, I, I liked uh, also. <laughs> Thank you very much yeah. for, for uh, spending <laughs> some time you. with me. You're with Annie on Showreel. Melissa Karaman finished at NIDA last year and as the recipient of the Leslie Walford AM Award is now working on a film script that will bring her Turkish Australian experience onto the screen. Originally from Melbourne, the film will hopefully bring the streets of Coburg into the film lens, but we are jumping ahead. Oh, Here is um, Melissa. Let, let's start off with you uh, and your NIDA experience. You, you've just graduated as, a, as an actress, actor. I did, yeah. It's been a long three years, but it's I'm finally out. <laughs> um, it I had a really wonderful experience. I um, it's funny. I've been I got into NIDA on my third attempt. Um, I initially had auditions when I was eighteen, and then again at twenty one, and then I thought, oh, I'll take a bit a few years off and um, really focus on what I want to do, like figure that out really. Um, and then I went and travelled for a little bit, and I trained and studied and worked and then it was when I was 25 did I really have an idea as to what I wanted to do and what I wanted to achieve when I got in there so I went back and I auditioned a third time and it 
you know, third time's a charm, really. Worked out for me. Yeah. And, uh, oh, that's an interesting experience. But you're, you've actually taken it a step further. You're, you've now won an award, which is a financial reward. I did, yes. And it's going to uh, finance a, the next step in a, in a project. Tell me about that. So uh, in third year, so anyone at NIDA, there's a really wonderful opportunity. Uh, anybody who is graduating a BFA course at NIDA, a three-year course, they are eligible to enter this um, sort of this grant, which is called the Leslie Walford AM Award. And uh, you can use the money to you know, put on a project, a play or a film, or if you want to pursue further training, anything you want really. And you, you have to pitch it to the board members and the CEO of NIDA. And I, the idea that I have is something that I've been mulling over and thinking about for the last few years. But with the workload of NIDA and the contact hours, I kind of had to put, a back seat, put it in the back seat because I just didn't have enough time to dedicate to it. So as I was approaching my final, the last couple of months, my final year, I decided to kind of resurrect the project and start focusing on it again. And I um, used that idea for the film to pitch for the uh, for the grant, and I was I was successful. I, I got through the first couple of rounds, and then there was a final interview with a board member and our CEO, and um, it was it's super encouraging to know that people want to hear this story. I'm I'm so excited. It's very exciting. So you're of Turkish descent. You're Australian of Turkish descent, and this is I am. And, and this is part of uh, the uh, important element in your film project. Tell us about that. So the idea for the film itself it it follows a story of a young first generation Turkish Australian woman. So I'm really writing from my own experiences because that's what I am. Uh, and the reason I wanted to write it was because I just don't see the Middle Eastern or the Mediterranean community, which is how I identify myself, I don't see them uh, represented on Australian screens or stages in ways in which I myself can identify with. I mean, I am lucky in the sense that I have grown up seeing people on my screens who do look like me, but it's the stories that I've never quite understood or never been, yeah, I've never been able to identify with. And so I, I just wanted to write it because I, I often I find our stories, they're not given uh, equal consideration, I think, to their Anglo-Celtic counterparts. I often see our, um, you know, the Middle Eastern community represented as uh, terrorists or new money or often they're the, the sidekick or the butt of the joke. And rarely do we see them as, you know, depicted as um, doctors and engineers or the romantic leads, exactly, unless it's, it's, unless it's very specifically that's the point they're trying to make. It almost feels tokenistic at times. really wanted to, having the privilege and the opportunity that I have now with my training and now with this award, I, I just want to be able to tell that story and I want to be able to see faces that I grew up with on my screens because, and in, in roles in which you know, I've never seen them play before, I think is really exciting. And I think my story, it's not necessarily, I don't think it's a new idea in any way. I think she, you know, my, this character, she is, she's growing up and she's learning what she likes, what she doesn't like and how far she go, how far she wants to go into her faith and what her faith means to her and what her role in her family as a community member and as a woman mean to her and how, you know, I guess figuring out what she wants her legacy to be in a sense.
It's something that we all go through, I I think. I actually looked up uh, more information about uh, when Turkish people ca- came to Australia. Are your people uh, Cypriot Turks or what what sort of background? No, they're no, they're not. My um my dad. It's funny. My dad. My mum grew up in Australia. She and her family immigrated from. Gosh, they're going to kill me. I think it's north northern Turkey in a place called Turum. Uh, where they're not, you know, they're not particularly religious over there. Um, they're very, you can definitely tell, the, you can tell, I, I often find you can tell where a Turk is from just based on, you know, if they have a tan or if they have blue eyes. And my mum is fair with blue eyes. And so she grew up in Australia, but she was often, uh, I, she was telling me recently that my uncles and her were often beaten up by school kids because they couldn't speak English and they had weird foreign food and so that was her experience growing up until a certain point. Whereas my dad, he's from southern Turkey in a place called Adana. Uh, and his family was very religious. He grew up, uh, you know, a, a few steps down from the local mosque in a very poor village, praying five times a day. So, And he met my mum here in Australia when he was around my age. And so it just, I find it so interesting how they, it, it feels like even though we have these communities and these these people immigrating to another country. I just love that they are able to find their tribe again here in Australia. So it's almost like they're creating what I call little Turkey. That's kind of how I grew up. It's just such a massive, um, a, a, a huge mashup of Turks from all over the country just coming and, you know, bringing their stories and their lives here. It's pretty fascinating because Australia turns out to be a place where people can meld uh, and especially since uh, multiculturalism became uh, something that people uh, understood, uh, people are actually allowed to be proud of their past. Exactly. I mean, that's how I've been raised. I've been raised to be very proud of my culture, to be very, to be very proud and um, uh, grateful for the education that I've received. You know, I didn't go to a I didn't go to an $18,000 private school. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I went to a very, I went to what was considered a low socioeconomic primary and high school. But from that, so many wonderful people and educators have stemmed from those places. And it's, I think it's so important that we tell these stories as well. Because of COVID, mm. it's a perfect time for you to do what you're setting out to do, which is to write the script. And and I noticed that you said that uh, it's script development and to talk to your key creatives. Can you tell us tell me about all that? Yeah, so I'm spending this year. I've I've had to like rejig my 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 thinking in terms of COVID because I had a lot planned this year, but because of you know the lockdown and you know the pandemic, I've had to really refocus where I want to put all my energy for the year. And so I decided to spend the entire the rest of the year on the script itself. So I have a few key creatives who've come on board. I have a dramaturg and I have producers on board. And I was slowly itching away at the script. And I'm you know I'm I'm writing this by myself, but I am sending it to people who I trust and who who do have more experience with writing because my background is in acting first and then writing. So I am sending it to people who I trust who can guide me through this because it's all a learning process for me as well. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm just focusing my year on doing that and hopefully the, the the money that I won from the grant, that will go towards filming a proof of concept reel. So it's a, for all intents and purposes, it's a short it's a short film, a short version of what I would hope the, the feature to be. 
Um, and hopefully with that, once we film that and that's all finished, ideally by mid-next year, I'll be using that to apply for further funding in order to make the feature. So it's, a, it's definitely my long-term goal, but I think I, I have just knowing that there are people, the response that I've gotten thus far from it has been super encouraging. So I I feel really positive about it. I, I really do think we, we might have a chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, there's no reason why not. Now, the other thing is, um, right, yeah. going from being an actor to a scriptwriter, uh, that is mm-hmm. pretty, I mean, one, you're in control, but it's also, it is uh, a challenge. So tell me about that challenge for you. It is a challenge. Again, my background is in acting. I've been doing that since I was a kid. And up until a few years ago, I never really thought about uh, being in control of my own narrative when it comes to my work in my life, sure. But when it comes to this industry, I, I was always, there were always parts of me that felt at the mercy of casting directors and producers and directors. And it's in the in my early 20s, I, along with a few friends, we collaborated on a musical that we wrote and that did really well. And that was my first proper experience at writing something and having some sort of um, public recognition for it, which I kind of fueled me, I think. And so in between, before NIDA and um, before before all of this has happened, had happened, I just went traveling and got as much training as I possibly could just so I could start to understand how the writing process works and um I suppose try to find my voice and what kind of stories I wanted to tell because uh, I have ideas but it's just about constructing it in a way that other people can engage with I think and I think with this project it is my baby uh, you know it's my first thing that I've written that I feel really really passionate about um, I'm, I'm taking my time with it because I really want to do it justice and I, I don't want to I don't want to embarrass myself and I don't want to embarrass my community it's not a documentary, but I am representing people in my places that I've grown up in my community. So I do want to make them proud. But I'm just taking my time with it. Tell me, uh, do you have a working title so that we can look out for it when it uh, arrives on on our screens? <laughs> do you, you know what? That's a really common question I get asked, and I hate saying that I don't have one yet. <laughs> I find naming things really, really difficult. I don't know why. The name's so important to me, and I've not yet sort of a, a name that I think encapsulates what I want to achieve with this film. So it's currently saved on all sorts of drafts on my on my laptop as untitled or working. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, um, naming things is really difficult. And the thing about it is once you get the name, you'll have probably cracked the uh, kernel of what it is. Yes, exactly. So it's um, I, I do think about it quite almost daily now and it's driving me crazy. Because I just can't find something that works. <laughs> I bet it'll be something awful as well that I won't be able to take back. <laughs> well, you can always call it uh, by uh, uh, the name of the character or you could uh, name it using a Turkish word that means something, which then means that someone has to find out what that means, which unlocks a little bit of Turkish language. Exactly. I do... This is the thing. I do think it's going to be a Turkish name. I just haven't figured out what it is. So we'll see. Oh, I think this is very important work with what you're doing. Um, it, uh, the more that uh, people understand the Australia that we live in is more diverse than just their own little world, the better. Exactly. And I just think, I think it's, um, 
I just think I would just want to show that, you know, our community, was, they're filled with people who are hardworking and, you know, are worthy of being featured on our screens and our stages with, you know, stories that are unrelated to terrorism or being the butt of the joke. I think what people are going to find is just they'll be surprised. I, I wonder if they'll be surprised at how normal their lives are, that they're very... The way in which I grew up was a very working-class community. And so I think a lot of people, Muslim or not, they're going to relate to that in some capacity, I would think. So it's exciting to it's exciting to be able to be working on it. Well, the nuances. Uh, like I said, my one of my sisters was living in Coburg and uh, she'd been living in the city for mm-hmm. a long time. And uh, she's one of those people that sort of inverted, you know, walks around and ferrets things out and... Uh, so she take mm-hmm. she take me to lunch to various places and watching watching people's cultural interactions and the way things are laid out and the way things are done and uh, was um, very interesting and uh, exciting mm. experience to uh, just observe people's quite ordinary cultural expressions. I agree completely. My family live in Coburg now. Um, they're there at the moment. And it's, I just think there's so much, there's such a, particularly in Coburg and Brunswick where it is very multicultural, they, um, it's just, there's such an exciting energy in that, in that uh, suburb. Like I, I get, I genuinely feel really excited walking down Sydney Road because every couple of blocks, it does feel like it changes. It's almost like you can see the, the, the growth of the suburb over the years. And I just would so love, I mean, ideally, that's where I'll be filming the film. I want to film it in Melbourne, in the places that I've grown up in. But I just don't see that yet reflected enough on our screen. So I thought, oh, bugger it, I'm just going to do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for talking to me. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Thanks, Annie. Have a good day. You too. That's it for Showreel this week. Join me next week. Until then, keep safe. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me, yeah. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me. Feeling good Fish in the sea You know how I feel River running free You know how I feel Blossom on the tree You know how I feel It's a new dawn It's a new day some new life for me and I'm feeling good Dragonfly out in the sun you know what I mean don't you know Butterflies all having fun you know what I mean Sleep in peace when day is done, that's what I mean And this old world is a new world and a bold world for me
listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.